Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, our number, 877-381-3811. You're at the right place. 877-381-3811. You know, in this country, there will be potentially 19,000 murders this year. 19,000. The enormity. There will be about 7,500 black people murdered even though blacks are 13% of the population. 90% of them will be murdered by other black people. The amount of murder in this country is significant, and it's going to get worse with these attacks on the cops. And so I want to talk about the Breonna Taylor case very briefly. The basic facts is made available by the Attorney General of Kentucky, who has a tremendous future ahead of him, Daniel Cameron. He was superb. You can tell how how wise he is at a very young age. You have uh, three police officers. They have a search warrant. They announce themselves at the door. So they give notice to the people inside the apartment. The Attorney General says there was a witness, an independent witness to that effect. There's two individuals inside the apartment. Kenneth Walker, who's the boyfriend of the eventual victim, Brianna uh, Taylor. Now, Kevin Walker says he didn't hear any any notice 
He didn't hear any, any where the police, and an independent witness said, that's exactly what the police did. This is not a so-called no-knock warrant where you just burst in. So that's an important point. Even if it were, but that's still an important point. Kenneth Walker shoots at the police officers. And the testimony is, as the Attorney General says, that he was in a shooting posture. He's the first to shoot, and he shoots, and he hits a police officer in the leg. I believe it was the thigh. Now, when you shoot a police officer, that police officer and other police officers are going to shoot back. That's exactly what they did. They shot back. So it's Kenneth Walker who put his girlfriend, Brianna Taylor, in danger. Not the police officers who have a warrant issued by a judge. And they shoot back. Now they don't know how many people are in the apartment. They don't know how many armed people are in the apartment. And they're acting on the tenth of a second. And they have every right to defend themselves. And that's exactly what they do. Unfortunately, because of what Kenneth Walker did, Brianna Taylor was killed. Turns out she was shot five or six times, but the medical experts say it was one bullet that, that killed her, which is horrible. Horrible. By all accounts, she was a lovely lady. Emergency room technician. A beautiful young lady. Those two police officers have not been charged. Because again, if you shoot at a police officer, they have the right to defend themselves. They didn't try and kill Brianna Taylor. They probably didn't even Brianna Taylor was in there. So why would they be charged with anything, let alone murder? Murder, the intent to kill Brianna Taylor? That would be absurd. And yet that's what the mob in the streets demand. This guy Crump, isn't that his name? The lawyer? I'll get to him in a minute. There's a third officer. His name's Hankinson. He's the one who's indicted. He didn't shoot Brianna Taylor. None of the bullets he dispensed touched Brianna Taylor. He opened fire, and the media says he fired wildly. That's not what the Attorney General said, but he fired, and he emptied his magazine, and he's charged with uh, wanton endangerment. Not a Brianna Taylor, but of the neighbors. Because the bullets apparently went through the wall into the apartment next door. I guess they didn't have hollow points. But nonetheless. Now his rounds didn't hurt anybody. Didn't hit anybody. But apparently one or more of them went through the wall. Into the adjoining apartment. He's charged with three counts. Three counts. Three charges of first degree wanton endangerment of a neighbor. 
And so you have Crump out there saying, how is it that none of the officers were charged with murder? I keep hearing this from the media too. Of the three officers, not one was charged with murder. So the media are inflaming the situation by giving disinformation to the American people. Including hotheads out there. Now I'm going to tell you this. This officer, Hankinson, he shouldn't be indicted either. Those officers are concerned, based on the facts that I heard today. They are concerned about their lives. They were shot at first. Hankinson is indicted, three counts of first degree, wanton endangerment, in other words, recklessness, of neighbors. So nobody should have been accused of homicide, and nobody was. And even these three charges against Hankinson, to me, are really way over the top. Now what about Kenneth Walker, the individual who shot the police officer, the individual who was the first to shoot? What is he charged with, Mr. Producer? Nothing. He's not charged with anything. And so a mob is gathering in Louisville, Kentucky. There are also peaceful protesters that went on for several hours, but the mob is gathering. And I have to say this. I don't know who the mayor of Louisville is, but his police are in full riot gear, and they look ready. And the governor of Kentucky has called, a Democrat, has called in the National Guard. Now, you don't see the National Guard on TV because they hang back. In other words, they're the second line of defense, not the first. And so I'm listening to this all day, and so we we get discussions about Jim Crow. We get discussions about the 1940s and 50s, inequality. You have to look at the facts of a specific case. This isn't about a civil rights movement. This isn't about segregation. This isn't about Jim Crow. This is about what the hell took place here. A horrible thing took place here. A beautiful young woman was killed. And if her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, hadn't shot at and wounded a police officer, she would be alive today. And he's charged with nothing. You don't shoot at cops. I look at this case, and then I hear athletes, politicians, this guy Crump, phony journalists, throwing all these names together. We got Brianna Taylor. We've got this case, that case. Wait a minute. Each one of these cases require an examination. Each one of these cases require a look at the facts. That's how you do justice in this country, not mob rule. In most of the cases, as we see them, these aren't executions of black people. They're typically very sad and unfortunate events. And they happen with white people, too. But we never see the cases with white people. We never see them. But they're there. 
So now, Hankinson, who literally didn't shoot anybody, he's facing up to 15 years in prison. Up to 15 years in prison. I'll be right back. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great free online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. a lot to get to, and we shall get to it. By the way, this might brighten your day. From Fox News, new polls in three crucial general election battleground states show President Trump holding the edge over Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden. The president tops Biden 51 to 47 percent among likely voters. See, now we're not dealing with register, but likely. In Florida. And Trump holds a 1.49-48% edge over the former vice president among likely voters in Arizona. Now, we were hearing it was, it was way behind in Arizona by eight or nine points. We were hearing it was behind in Florida by five. Now we're looking at likely voters. Now, there's a margin of error, plus or minus 4.5. We get it. Uh, the president's ahead of uh, Biden, 48 to 46 percent among likely voters in Georgia. So things are really tightening up. That is exactly why the left, both on the courts and in the state legislatures, are on the move. Now, I'm the canary in the mine here, who've been talking about this now for a long time. I called out Pennsylvania. You may recall, I called out what was going on in Wisconsin and Michigan. Now we have uh, handiwork going on in North Carolina and Minnesota. Those are all battleground states. Five battleground states. They're pushing the election date beyond election night. They're allowing votes to be counted in some cases three days later, in some cases two weeks later. This is mostly being done by one judge in each state or, as in the case of Pennsylvania where they have seven Supreme Court elected justices, five who are radical leftists, uh, by that court. Pennsylvania has sued in federal court. Uh, I'm not a big uh, believer in that. What Pennsylvania needs to do is assert its authority under Article 2 of the Constitution. Now finally, you know we've been hammering on this, kids. It's being picked up by friend and foe alike. Article 2 of the Constitution, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2. This is crucial. And I quote, 
Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors equal to the number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in Congress. As I've told you in our history lessons before, early in our republic, there wasn't a vote. Basically, the legislators picked the, uh, the electors. Now we have votes. But still, the legislatures of every state have the final say. So what we have here in these five battleground states, and there'll be more, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Wisconsin, and Michigan, which have Republican-majority legislatures, Minnesota, which is split Republican-Democrat legislature with a Democrat governor, what you see going on is they're going to these left-wing Democrat judges, or the executives in these states are changing the voting laws. Here at the end of September, when the election is less than six weeks away, and in every single instance, it helps Joe Biden and the Democrats. Every single instance. And that's why they're getting ready to litigate, because they know these very same judges will assist them. That's what's going on. But then there's a piece in the Atlantic, and we know how unreliable the Atlantic is. It's a left-wing hack operation, a Democrat front operation, in my view. There's a piece in there, which now, again, is an attack on the Constitution about something I've been talking about, that article, too. And Pollock, Joe Pollock, our friend at Breitbart, he writes up on the Atlantic piece, he says, the Atlantic reported that Republicans are investigating contingency plans which Republican-held legislatures would appoint members of the Electoral College if their state's voting results were still in doubt weeks after Election Day. This is something I wrote about in Men in Black also, after the Bush-Gore election. So the uh, hack writer for The Atlantic says, according to sources in the Republican Party at the state and national levels, the Trump campaign is discussing contingency plans to bypass election results and appoint... Loyal electors in battleground states where Republicans hold the legislative majority. It's not where uh, to bypass election results. If you have uh, governors or secretaries of state or courts acting unconstitutionally and interfering in the process, including on deadlines and all the other requirements that states may have passed, you have the state legislatures that can reassert their federal constitutional authority and must. I want to further develop this for you because this is coming to a head when we return. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great free online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history 
of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's LevinforHillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. The Mark Levin Show, where the Reagan Coalition meets every day. Call now, 877-381-3811. You know, when I read, what was it, 10 days ago or so, that Tom Seaver passed away, and he had uh, dementia. And then I see today Gail Sayers passed away. These are tremendous people. Not only tremendous a- athletes, but decent human beings. He passed away. He had dementia. It's very, very sad. Very, very sad. These were truly iconic players. They weren't into politics. They weren't out there, you know, lighting the flames. And they got along with everybody. And they showed people how to conduct themselves by their actions, by the way they spoke, by the way they treated other people. Not by sending millions and millions of dollars into left-wing front groups and so forth and so on. Just terrific. I don't even know what their politics was. I don't even know if they were Democrats, but I don't even care. Just terrific. So let me swing back because we have a lot to do in the... Last hour of the program, we have the great governor of Florida, DeSantis, coming on. We have the great congressman from Texas, who's in a very tight race, but he's one of the best congressmen in the Congress, and that would be uh, Chip Roy. We have both of those gentlemen on the program in the last hour. Article 2 of the Constitution. And so basically what the Atlantic is trying to say, and this is a very diabolical publication. It's a front group is that if the state legislatures actually follow the federal constitution, it is they who are stealing the election. Now what's happening now in these five battleground states, whether by edict, unconstitutional, or by court rulings or consent degrees, unconstitutional, they're deciding that the executive branch of the state or the courts in the state will decide and change on the fly the election laws. Of course that undermines, defies, violates Article 2 of the United States Constitution, which specifically puts it in the hands of the state legislatures. Four out of five of these states have Republican-majority legislatures. Minnesota is divided. And so what's happening now is the Democrats are litigating these cases in front. You're not hearing it in the news very much. And that's purposeful. And they're getting these, these courts to issue, they're, they're cherry-picking the courts, they're cherry-picking the battleground states, and they're getting these courts to issue edicts, and these edicts are extending the voting day, or extending the date of counting the votes, or extending the, uh, uh, the date mark on the ballot, which is exactly what the Democrats want, which is why they've been pushing mail-in voting and pushing their voters to vote with mail-in voting. And so they want to see on election day where they need the votes, which state, which counties. That's exactly what they're up to. And then they want to go into court and litigate to victory. That's their hope. That's why Biden has now almost a thousand lawyers lined up, if you can believe that. Almost a thousand lawyers lined up. The president is pushing for votes to be counted a traditional way. The Democrats are pushing as as Pollock writes, for longer and longer deadlines for the submission and counting of mail-in ballots. 
The Democrats are pushing for relaxed standards. I understand one decision has been made that if they're not signed, you're still going to count the ballot. And another one is if the signs don't, the signatures don't match, they're still going to count the ballot. So you see what's taking place here. This is institutionalized fraud. It is institutionalized corruption. That's what we're getting. This is the Democrat Party's effort to take over the United States government. What the state legislatures, I've been arguing, can do and should do under Article 2 is the constitutional method for addressing this. And one of the reasons also that you want these legislatures to act is that the Democrats delay this and delay this and delay this because they want Nancy Pelosi to be the acting president. The Republican legislatures don't have to put up with that. They step in and assign the electors. And they can assign the electors based on the best data they have as to who is actually winning in the state. Why is it the view that some local hack judge who's elected or some hack Supreme Court is the one in Pennsylvania that's elected, that they're noble, that they have integrity, when obviously they don't? When obviously they don't. And the Electoral College vote is scheduled for December 14. And the Democrats want to create chaos. They're extending, as I just pointed out, beyond election day and election night, votes and postmarks and the counting of votes, extending it out as far as they can to try and create doubt, to try and prevent the president from winning, to go into the courts with their zillions of lawyers. And worst case, in their idea, is that Pelosi is president. But the stopgap on this is the Constitution. The courts do not have judicial review on this issue. And I can assure you that in Philadelphia, if the delegates to the Constitutional Convention thought that the courts would have this kind of power over the vote, it would never have been uh, adopted. The states certainly would never have ratified So I want to point this out. So the attack is already coming from the usual sources, the left-wing hacks. You have Minnesota now. Minnesota now has extended the, uh, the counting of ballots eight days. And guess what, Mr. Producer? It doesn't even have to be postmarked, the envelope. It doesn't even have to be postmarked. You have Minnesota election officials working for the governor, the executive branch, and the secretary of state. Are they in the Constitution? No. They've just unilaterally decided to change the election laws. Just as the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania rewrote the election laws. Just as a federal judge rewrote the election laws. This is going on in all the battleground states. Right now as I speak. Right now as I speak. Now maybe I shouldn't say this, but I know it's coming, so I'm going to tell you this. We like to be uh, at the cutting edge here when it comes to the law and the Constitution and the tactics that are used. The president, of course, is also following the Constitution. He's going to nominate a constitutionalist on Saturday. The majority Republican Senate, hopefully, will confirm that, that individual. And that's a good thing, right? So what will the next step of the Democrats be when it comes to the Supreme Court? I understand they say they want to pack it, but what will it be 
during the course of and immediately after the election. What will they do? I'll tell you what I think they're going to do. I think they're going to start a PR campaign and insist, here you go, that the newest justice to the Supreme Court, nominated by the President, confirmed by the Senate, the Republicans, that she, because it's going to be a woman, must recuse herself from any case or decision involving the election. Because you see, she was appointed by Donald Trump, so of course she's going to be biased for Donald Trump. Now this is an utterly bogus argument, because everybody in the court was either nominated by a Republican or a Democrat, and you don't recuse yourself because you've been nominated by a Republican or a Democrat. And under the same theory, Gorsuch would have to recuse himself. And Kavanaugh would have to recuse himself. Why shouldn't the Democrats recuse themselves? Since Joe Biden was a senator for most of the uh, time. And he was involved in getting them on the court. But I'm just telling you, this is the kind of bogus argument that will be made. Will be advanced by the Democrats. Because they'll lie and claw and do whatever they think they have to do. For power. Very, very evil entity is the Democrat Party. Now here's Barack Obama in a video message yesterday. What's he have to say about all this? Cut one, go. What's at stake in this election is much bigger than Joe. Or the man he's running to replace. So he's trying to get the troops excited. And he knows Joe ain't it. Joe ain't it. So the picture's bigger. It's bigger than Joe. Joe's a schmo. Everyone can agree with that. He can't excite the base. So, this is Obama's effort to go beyond. Go ahead. What's at stake is whether or not our democracy endures. Our whether or not our democracy endures? So, in other words, if, if Donald Trump wins, our democracy won't endure? This man is not only a fool, he is enormously dangerous. Go ahead. Hoping that you will stay home. They're hoping you get cynical. They're trying to convince you that your vote doesn't matter. It's how they win. Don't let them. See? You know, when you're a former president, you retire. You're supposed to stay out of all this stuff. But not Obama. You want to know why Obama's not going to stay out of this? He's behind the whole thing. He started it when he was running for president. He institutionalized it and changed the Democrat Party. He gives advice, I hear, to LeBron James. Are you aware of this? And to the mayors out there and all the other Democrats. He's the invisible hand of Marxism. While he rakes in tens of millions of dollars. For he and the lovely Michelle. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. 
Today, we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great free online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. a lot of people in the media actually understand the facts in the Breonna Taylor case. They keep saying that um, Officer Hankinson was charged with wanton endangerment but not murder. Officer Hankinson's bullets never touched Breonna Taylor. Why would he be charged with murder? And the phrase is in the indictment, and I wish the media would use it, want endangerment of the neighbors. So they keep saying he was charged with endangerment but not murder. Well, how would he be charged with murder? That's number one. And why won't the media start out by saying the boyfriend in the apartment shot at the police officers and actually wounded one of them? And then I hear... America needs to get a lesson from this. Take a lesson for that. Well, what's the lesson? This was a horrible incident. Her boyfriend created the violence. People are trying to spin the facts. I'm only responding to what the Attorney General said. Then I keep hearing there needs to be more transparency, the investigation, more transparency. There's going to be tons of transparency. It's called a public trial. The prosecution is not supposed to lay out all the stuff without being challenged by the defense, under the rules that are set in place to present evidence, and to challenge evidence, and to present witnesses, and to have contrary witnesses, and to have a judge as the referee and a jury that makes the decision. What do they mean they want more transparency? This is going to be enormously transparent. Everything's going to be on the table. Donnie Douche is on the morning, Joe. He is a sickening disgusting propagandist and demagogue and MSNBC and NBC and the Morning Joe think he's terrific. Listen to this. Listen to what he says about Jews and the president. Cut three, go. And what is the difference between Adolf Hitler and Donald Trump? I'm not saying there's a Holocaust, but when you look at the tactics, and and that is where we are right now. You know, ladies and gentlemen, if... MSNBC, NBC, and Comcast were responsible corporate organizations. This man would be fired on the spot. Fired on the spot. Adolf Hitler and Donald Trump. Adolf Hitler who slaughtered millions and millions of people, and Jews in particular. Donald Trump. And then they wonder why there's not unity. Then they wonder why there's violence. Then they wonder what happened to our politics. It must be Trump. Here's an individual, Donnie Douche, who gets on a national network, as small as it is, gets on a national network and unequivocally 
compares the President of the United States to Adolf Hitler. Go ahead. We are heading 39 days from election. This is where we have, and we still have people chanting, okay. And I, on a personal level, Joe, and I, just please indulge me for a second, want to talk to my Jewish friends who are voting for Donald Trump. How dare you? Shut How up, you little, pr- you little putz. Ooh, I almost made a mistake there. You, uh, you disgusting walking hemorrhoid. His Jewish friends. If you're Jewish, how can you not vote for Trump? Given his support for Israel, given his, his fight against anti-Semitism in this country. Calls the President of the United States the closest friend, quite frankly, a modern president to the Jewish people in the state of Israel. Calls him Adolf Hitler. And then he wants to know his Jewish friends, how dare you? How dare you vote for Donald Trump? So my question is, you know what I'm going to do, Mr. Producer? I have Comcast in this house. Within the next several weeks, we can get this organized. They're gone. Comcast is out of my house. I'm going to bring Verizon in and Infinity. Comcast is dead. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Once again, as I watch the reports... On the Brianna Taylor situation. It goes something like this. None of the three officers have been charged with murder. One officer was charged with wanton endangerment, which is much less than murder. Two officers shot in self-defense. After one of them was shot by Ken, what is his name here? By Kenneth Walker. Brianna Taylor's boyfriend. Kenneth Walker shot the first bullet. And he succeeded in hitting a police officer in the leg. They shot back. They didn't know exactly who was in there, how many people were in there. And it is very, very sad that Brianna Walker died, especially from one bullet wound, apparently. Brianna Taylor is what I'm saying. Brianna Taylor. The other officer who shot, where they say he was only charged with wanton endangerment, not with murder, none of his bullets hit anybody. How would he be charged with murder? Why do the media keep reporting the way that they're reporting? So what the police officer should have done, apparently, after one of them was shot, is what exactly? What, what, are, what are they supposed to do? They're required to execute a warrant that was issued by a judge. It's not a no-knock. In other words, they didn't just burst the door down. They have an independent witness who told investigators that they announced themselves. Kenneth Walker says he didn't hear it. Well, that's Kenneth Walker because he fired the first shot. 
And why is Kenneth Walker to be believed and not the independent witness when this guy was the, the first shot? Kenneth Walker, who precipitated the violence, he hasn't been charged with anything. And it's not even brought up in any of the news reports. None of them. All you keep hearing is that of the three officers, none of them was charged with murder. And in the case of the one officer, he was only charged with wanton endangerment, but not with murder. He didn't shoot anybody. This is why I despise the media in this country. You're not getting facts. You're not getting information. All right, let me move on. Let's talk about the same media, how they're reporting on the coronavirus, that is the, Ch- the China virus. And so, um, the ChristianPost.com, an excellent site, took a look at the CDC numbers. They went in and they looked at the CDC. You can do the same thing. They have a website. And they point out that according to the CDC, 94, listen, 94% their headline of COVID-19 deaths had underlying health problems. 6% died of the virus alone, according to the CDC. Only 6% of coronavirus deaths in the United States mentioned COVID-19 as the only cause. While the remaining 94% of deaths with the virus had other, quote, health conditions and contributing causes, unquote, according to new data released by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. You have not heard this, I bet, on a single news broadcast this evening. Not one. For 6% of the deaths, I quote, and this is from the CDC report, COVID-19 was the only cause mentioned. So that comes to 9,683 deaths caused by the virus alone. The top conditions contributing to deaths involving the China disease virus include influenza, pneumonia, respiratory failure, hypertensive disease, diabetes, vascular and unspecified dementia, cardiac arrest, heart failure, renal failure, intentional and unintentional injuring and poisoning, the report says. I've been talking about this since day one, and now the CDC backs me up. The way we're reporting deaths from the virus makes it sound like the 200 and some thousand people died from the virus. You hear it every day. You heard it tonight. You heard it last night. We've, we've hit, they say, an ominous number, ladies and gentlemen. 200,000 people have died from the coronavirus. That is the biggest lie this century. 200,000 people died who may have had the coronavirus, but less than 10,000 died from and only from the coronavirus. The numbers released by the CDC are based on, quote, provisional death counts, unquote. The agency says the most reliable to deliver the most complete and accurate picture of lives lost to COVID-19. This is from the CDC. It goes on to explain that, quote, they are based on death certificates, says this this is all from the CDC, which are the most reliable source of data and contain information not available anywhere else, including comorbid conditions, race and ethnicity, and place of death. Unquote. 
The CDC divines comorbidity as having, quote, more than one disease or condition present in the same person at the same time. Quote, all this is from the CDC. Quote, conditions described as comorbidities are often chronic or long-term conditions. Other names to describe comorbid conditions are coexisting or co-occurring conditions, sometimes also multimorbidity and multiple chronic conditions. The total number of coronavirus deaths in the country uh, was uh, almost 200,000 earlier this week, and confirmed cases nearly 6 million. Isn't this shocking, Mr. Producer? Isn't it shocking how the news lie and destroy? This is on the CDC website. That 6% of those who have died... 6% 6% of the over 200,000 have died from the virus alone. Less than 10,000. Well, at this point, no, that would be about 12,000. 12,000. That means the other 178,000 poor souls died because they had other problems. So if you have severe diabetes, and you're on your deathbed, and you contract the coronavirus... And you pass away. The media are counting that as a coronavirus death. If you're in the late stages of cancer. And you don't have long to survive. And you get the coronavirus. And you pass away. You're counted among the 200,000. Now, if you bring this up, you must be heartless. I am not heartless. My father passed in 2018 from cancer. My mother passed in 2019 from cancer. And let me tell you, I'm still not over it. Not even close. It's not a matter of being heartless. It's a matter of getting the information that's accurate out to the American people. What's heartless is when you lie during a pandemic. And then they blame all these deaths on the president. So let's take it the next step. So if somebody has severe heart disease or horrible diabetes or is in the last stages of cancer and they pass away, they get the virus, Joe Biden is saying that's the president's fault. He has said every single one of these deaths is to be blamed on Trump because he didn't act fast enough. Now think about that. Think about how unconscionable that rhetoric is. Even in this day and time, how unbelievably outrageous that rhetoric is. So 94% of the people who have died from this virus, excuse me, who have died, have had this virus, but it wasn't the underlying reason why they died. They had other severe underlying problems, severe underlying problems. And Joe Biden is blaming that on the President of the United States. I want you to think about this. Because I guarantee Chris Wallace is going to bring it up during the debate because it helps Biden. He's already brought it up. Others are bringing it up in the media. It's basically a mantra that's in the media. 200,000 died. Did you act fast enough? They're not even looking at the CDC. They're not even looking at the science. They're not even looking at the facts and the data. In order to to construct their charges and their questions. 
truly appalling, isn't it? I wish everybody could hear what I'm saying. And here's the thing. The truth is we have turned the corner on this virus. The truth is the mortality rate is way down. Way down. The hospitalization rate is way, way down. And not only that, not only is Pfizer weeks, maybe a month away from announcing its vaccine based on everything we're reading, Johnson & Johnson began its three-trial testing phase, its third-trial testing phase. Phase three. It's the last phase. Johnson & Johnson is close to having a vaccine. And the trial for phase three is going to involve 60,000 people. We have never seen trials with so many people. Pfizer's had 44,000 people. So when they come up with a vaccine, it's going to be heavily, heavily tested on thousands and thousands of people of all backgrounds, all races, all religions, all ages. And so the president is being asked today, how do you know it's going to be safe? The FDA says it may have to put more, more rules in place. The FDA is a bureaucracy, ladies and gentlemen. It is a heavy-duty, multi-level bureaucracy. And the president gave a perfect answer, and I'll just paraphrase it. And so did Scott Atlas, one of his expert advisors. And it comes down to this. Why would we slow down a vaccine that might save thousands and thousands of lives? Why would he slow it down? And I would add, why are you asking me questions like this? If Joe Biden wants to ask me the question, fine. Why are you in the media puppeting this this guy? On the one hand, you say I acted too slowly. On the other hand, now you say I'm acting too quickly. But the facts are the facts. 94% of the people who've died of the over 200,000 people that are said to have died from the coronavirus, according to the media, according to the CDC, the primary reason they died, or the underlying reason they died, was because of one of these comorbidities. And they list them. (coughs) And I just quoted them to you. So the real question at the debate should be to Joe Biden. I have the CDC report in front of me. They say 94% of the people who died related to this virus. The underlying problem was a number of other health issues that the President of the United States has absolutely nothing to do with. 94% of the cases. So why do you keep accusing him of killing everybody, Joe Biden? Think you'll ask that question? Nah. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know what I hate? Overpaying for something. We're already taxed to death. Then you pile on all the other services holding us hostage to high rates. Home internet, cable, utilities. Then there's your cell phone bill. AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile. They all want to charge you for data you'll never need and so-called perks you'll never use. Thank goodness for Pure Talk USA. Because Pure Talk gives you the exact same coverage, same towers, same bars, but costs you half with no contract and no excessive fees. Right now, enjoy unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data, all for just $20 a month. The average person is saving $400 a year on their wireless bill. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST. When you do, you'll save $250 off any iPhone, 
including the brand new iPhone SE. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. Here's one of the reasons we're going to kick Comcast out of our household. This is a montage from the, the Morning Joe show today. A montage from just today. Hat tip Grabian, cut for go. Oh, my God. Oh, I don't know. We won't call them fascist comments. Fascist. Fascism. Fascist. Call fascism. Fascism. Just fascist. Fascist. Notions of fascism. Xenophobic. Racist. Demagogic. Racist. Sexist. Xenophobic. Autocratic. And fascistic. Donald Trump's a fascist. Someone like a fascist or a tyrant or an autocrat. Fascist rhetoric. Fascist language. Fascists. I'm I'm glad that you're starting talking about fascism. Hitler. Fascist rhetoric. He's talking the way fascists talk. Autocratic. Fascist. Nazi Germany. Before the rise of Hitler, fascist language to Hitler, fascist Hitler, in Adolf Hitler, 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 well, Hitler, 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 but Hitler, from what Adolf Hitler preached in the early 30s. Let's just say it once and for all. This program is what passes for a respectable program on MSNBC, the sister of NBC, owned by Comcast. You should all be disgusted and offended by this. Joe Scarborough is a sleazeball. He's been a sleazeball most of his life. He knows he's been a sleazeball. And he knows exactly what I mean by that. He has, I'd say he sold his soul, but he never had a soul to begin with. He's a sick bastard. And so is his wife. They bring this Donnie Douche on and this John Heilman. Hi, Heilman! And they bring him on. And there they are. Hitler, 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 Hitler. You know, the people who suffered under Hitler, many of whom are still alive, this treats them with contempt and utter disrespect. Every Jew in America should be furious about this. The casual... Blythe references to Adolf Hitler in the Third Reich. And exactly what has Donald Trump done to deserve this? Nothing. Nothing. He's done more for Israel and the Jews in this country to protect them from anti-Semitism than anything these pieces of crap have ever done. Ever. Ever. They love and slobbered all over Barack Obama, who in my view was and is an anti-Semite. He cozied up to anti-Semites when he was a community activist. He hasn't said a word about his party and the growth of anti-Semitism. He has never denounced Tlaib or Omar or AOC or Presley. He's never denounced any of them. He never denounced Farrakhan. Never. He had care in the Muslim Brotherhood coming into the Oval Office so many times we can't count. Same with Al Sharpton. His conduct with the State of Israel in front of the UN where he tried to humiliate that little country. He sets them up in the Security Council. He has the United States vote present on an anti-Semitic resolution by the UN. His treatment of the elected Prime Minister of Israel And the liberal Jews in this country think it's perfectly fine. You want to know why? They're suicidal. 
They've always been suicidal, like all the other liberals. If you're Jewish in this country, how in the hell can you not vote for Donald Trump? Did you see last week where the President of the United States and the Prime Minister of Israel and the Foreign Minister of the UAE and the Foreign Minister of Bahrain and others soon made peace deals, peace breaking out in the Middle East? What, is that too hard for the left to tolerate? Shocking the way this man is treated. Shocking. And I just hope For those who are on the fence, hey, I'm in the suburbs. For those who are on the fence and sitting in the suburbs, that you're awakened to what's taking place here. Trump's not proposing packing the Supreme Court, packing the Senate, eliminating the filibuster rule, using impeachment as a political weapon. Trump's not proposing a 110-page communist manifesto that will destroy your businesses and jobs in America. That's them. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. revolution starts here the mark levin show call in at 877-381-3811 we're soon going to get into this hunter biden scandal it's, it's shocking and of course the media are downplaying it it's a republican thing they had nothing on russia collusion there's dna and fingerprints all over this stuff and if uh if joe biden's not asked about this during one of the debates then you know how dishonest and unprofessional the media and the moderators actually are. You'll know. We're going to learn a lot from these debates and not just about the candidates, but from the moderators. Because there's no no debating that Hunter Biden is a crook. And the other, well, what did his father know? His father should have known everything. You're Vice President of the United States. People came to you concerned about your son. You turn away. You don't look. His son doesn't tell him the deals he's making overseas. His son is using his father's name and position. Millions and millions of dollars in foreign money. You got Manafort sitting in prison, or at least he was. You got other people sitting in prison. Other people charged. There should be a full-scale federal criminal investigation of Hunter Biden, and Joe Biden should be questioned 
under oath, under penalty of perjury, about what he knew, if anything. He's not above the law, is he, ladies and gentlemen? You got the Attorney General of New York that's looking for every reason possible to destroy the President of the United States and his businesses and his family. You got the DA in Manhattan doing exactly the same thing. Here, you got predicates all over the place. All over the place. And this is why Joe Biden never talks about Hunter Biden. He only talks about Bo Biden. He's got Bo Biden in his ads about health care. Where's Hunter Biden in his ads? Maybe about finances. I keep going back to this briefly. Footnote. So these police officers are executing a warrant. The individual, or one of them, uh, shoots and maims, injures a police officer. And the police officers shoot back. Is there a problem with that? Is there a problem with that? Who created the conditions of the death for Breonna Taylor? Her boyfriend did. By shooting at the police. Why don't they get this straight on ESPN? Why don't they get this straight in professional basketball? Why don't they get this straight newsroom after newsroom after newsroom? How is it that her boyfriend wasn't charged? Then the third officer, he shoots his rounds, doesn't hit anybody. He's charged with wanton endangerment of a neighbor. They won't say, of a neighbor, because the bullets, apparently they weren't hollow points, I don't know, but they went through the wall. They didn't hit anybody. He's supposed to be charged with murder, too. So the two police officers defending themselves, they should be charged with homicide. The police officer who shot but hit nobody, he should be charged with a homicide. Are you listening to me? This is how bat-crap crazy this has become. And the original shooter who shot a cop is charged with nothing. And people are going to protest? All right, Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden gives us a look into the Biden family. I want to salute Ron Johnson. I want to salute Charles Grassley for having the willpower and the guts to put this out. And it is shocking that the same media... They gave voice to every leak from the Obama administration. Every felony that came out of the FBI and out of the White House as they were unmasking people and, and lying about the Trump campaign and the president. They have no interest in this. So I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you, the millions and millions of people who are listening to this program. This report is online. You can get it at The Blaze. You can get it at Daily Wire. You can get it at... Just the news. You can get it at uh, Right Scoop. The Bongino Report and so forth and so on. Here's some of the findings. In early 2015, the former acting deputy chief of mission at the U.S. Embassy of Kiev, Ukraine, George Kent, sound familiar? Raised concerns to the officials in Vice President Biden's office about the perception of a conflict of interest with respect to Hunter Biden's role in Burisma's board. Kent's concerns went unaddressed, and in September 2016, he emphasized in an email to his colleagues, quote, Furthermore, the presence of Hunter Biden on the Burisma board was very awkward for all U.S. officials pushing an anti-corruption agenda in Ukraine. Unquote. Wow. Get ready for what I'm going to say. 
because the libs will go nuts. Guess what? God forbid if Joe Biden's elected president. But you know what, Mr. Producer? Maybe this lays the foundation for his impeachment. (sighs) Willing stupidity, not wanting to know what your son's up to. October 2015, senior State Department official Amos Hotstein raised concerns with Vice President Biden, as well as with Hunter Biden, that Hunter Biden's position on Burisma's board enabled Russian disinformation efforts and risked undermining U.S. policy in Ukraine. Wow. So Joe Biden is a Vladimir Putin hack. Although Kent believed that Hunter Biden's role on Burisma's board was awkward for all U.S. officials, pushing an anti-corruption agenda in Ukraine, the committees are only aware of two individuals, Kent and former U.S. Special Envoy Coordinator for the International Energy Affairs, Amos Hochstein, who raised concerns to Vice President Biden and to his staff. The awkwardness for the Obama administration officials continued well past his presidency. Former Secretary of State John Kerry had knowledge of Hunter Biden's role on Burisma's board, but when asked about it in a town hall meeting in Nashville, New Hampshire, he lied through his teeth. And he has big teeth, by the way. December 8, 2019, he said, I had no knowledge about any of that. None, no. Evidence to the contrary is provided in detail in the report. And it goes on. On the Burisma board. He was paid over $4 million. addition to the over $4 million paid by Burisma, not he, but entities associated with him, For Hunter Biden's and Archer board membership, Hunter Biden, his family, and Archer received millions of dollars from foreign nationals with questionable backgrounds. Archer received $142,300 from Kengis Reshavev of Kazakhstan, purportedly for a car, the same day Vice President Joe Biden appeared. So what this shows over and over again, and by the way, he received a, listen to this one, $3.5 million wire transfer to Hunter Biden. From Elena Batarina, the wife of the former mayor of Moscow. Hunter Biden received $3.5 million, a wire transfer from Elena Batarina, the wife of the former mayor of Moscow. Can you imagine if this was Eric Trump or Don Trump Jr. or Ivanka Trump or Jared Kushner or anybody? Can you imagine? Hunter Biden opened a bank account, Wagangwen Dang to fund a $100,000 global spending spree with James Biden and Sarah Biden. Hunter Biden had business associates with Ye Jiaming, Gang Guangdong, and other Chinese nationals linked to the communist government and the People's Liberation Army. Hunter Biden paid non-resident women who were nationals of Russia or other Eastern European countries and who appear to be linked to an Eastern European prostitution or human trafficking ring. No wonder... Joe never mentions Hunter. Paid by the Russians. Paid by the Ukrainians. Paid by the Chinese. Isn't that amazing? The report also stated the investigation found that the Obama administration, quote, knew that Hunter Biden's position on Burisma's board was problematic and did interfere in efficient execution of policy with respect to Ukraine. And they impeached our president over a perfectly fine phone call. This report, listen to me, and the left's going to go nuts, and I love it. God forbid if Joe Biden's elected president, this report may well serve 
as the investigative basis to impeach him. You see, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a man of what the Gentiles call the Old Testament. And I believe in an eye for an eye. Ooh, what did he say? Oh, it's true. An eye for an eye. You impeach us for no good reason, we impeach you. You want to add Senate seats with D.C. and Puerto Rico? We want to add Senate seats with American Samoa in dividing up friendly states so they can have more senators and we can have more senators. You want to stuff the Supreme Court? Well, when we eventually get back, we'll add even more members to the court. Because the totalitarians need to be defeated, ladies and gentlemen. They need to be crushed. Whether they're throwing Molotov cocktails on our streets, or whether they're throwing unconstitutional Molotov cocktails at our republic. Same mentality. Same mentality. I'll be right back. You know what I hate? Overpaying for something. We're already taxed to death. Then you pile on all the other services holding us hostage to high rates. Home internet, cable, utilities. Then there's your cell phone bill. AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile. They all want to charge you for data you'll never need and so-called perks you'll never use. Thank goodness for Pure Talk USA. Because Pure Talk gives you the exact same coverage, same towers, same bars, but costs you half with no contract and no excessive fees. Right now, enjoy unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data, all for just $20 a month. The average person is saving $400 a year on their wireless bill. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. When you do, you'll save $250 off any iPhone, including the brand new iPhone SE. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N podcast. I want to salute Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leader in the House, at a press conference today. This is what he had to say. Cut 11, go. And I'll make you this one promise. Listening to the speaker on television this weekend, if she tries to move for an impeachment, based upon the president following the Constitution, I think there'll be a move on the floor to have her no longer or the question of her being speaker. She may think she has a quiver. We do, too. We believe everybody in Congress puts their, raises their hand and swears to uphold the Constitution. The president did, too, and that's what he's following through on. And to think for one moment that they would move impeachment because he's following the Constitution, we will take the movement to remove her from speakership. Outstanding. Now, they may not have the votes, but you build the case with the American people and you go on offense. So I'm I'm watching uh, Louisville and Philadelphia and Washington, D.C., and people are marching because of the announcement from the Attorney General of Kentucky Two officers that were involved in the gunfight as a result of them being shot, one of them being shot first, were not going to be charged with a homicide. It was self-defense. And that another officer 
who fired his weapon but didn't hit anybody who's not being charged with homicide. Now people are protesting. What do they want? Ladies and gentlemen, those of you who are not protesting, those of you who are not planning on rioting, what do you think? You think the police officers should have been shot and then not shoot back? Is that what you think? Or do you think the police officers should have been charged with with a homicide and face either life in prison, in prison or, uh, or the death sentence? Let me ask you a question. If somebody shot at you, would you shoot back if you had a gun? Or what would you do? What would you do? And the individual who fired the first shot, of course... That individual, scot free. This has nothing to do with what happened 401 years ago. It's nothing to do with any of that. This is about justice in a specific case. That's what it's about. In the third hour, at the top of the hour, the great governor of Florida, I want to talk to him about the, uh, the new legislation he's pushing um, to better deal with rioters among other things. And he will be followed by one of the finest members of the House of Representatives who is being targeted by the left in a very significant race, and that's Chip Roy, a conservative's conservative. So that's very important. We'll have both gentlemen on in the next hour. Max, how much time do I have? Max Kellerman is on ESPN. Uh, he's on the uh, most popular show that goes from 10 to noon. It's the most popular show because of Stephen A. Smith. Now, Stephen A. and I don't always agree. Sometimes we strongly disagree. But that's not my focus and that's not my point. Max Kellerman is a disgrace. He's predictable. He's an elitist punk. And I want you to hear this. Colby Covington, I'm a big UFC fan. He's a big Trump supporter, and, uh, and the president called him after he won the title. It was a great fight. And I want you to listen to this. Cut 13, go. First of all, a few of the things he said when he talks about, like, Black Lives Matter, 93% of the protests are peaceful. The vast, overwhelming majority okay, are Okay, let me say this. 99.9% of the police officers never shoot anybody, let alone somebody who's black. Go ahead. And by the way, the 7% that are not, they have a very broad definition of what's not quote-unquote peaceful. For example, if you block traffic or something No, like that's that. not what they're talking about, and you know you're lying. Peaceful, the opposite of peaceful is violent, not blocking traffic. Go ahead. Respond to police provocation. And even then, a big percentage of that, which we, that, that wasn't peaceful, is actually outside agitators, extremist right-wing agitators, Posing as protesters. Okay, so it's the Klan and the neo-Nazis posing as Black Lives Matter and Antifa. They're behind the whole thing. How this idiot, idiot, remains on TV, I don't know. They should at least change the set and put padded, you know, pads up on the walls and give the guy, uh, ah, whatever. We'll be right there. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.
Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811-Levinites. Coast to coast, millions and millions worried about their country. And so I'm bringing to you one of the great governors, Ron DeSantis of Florida. Governor, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Now, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the program is because I, I read that you, uh, you're pressing legislation now that would give the state more power to get control over riots or possible riots in your state. Would you like to explain what it is that you're doing? Absolutely. First, just let me say, when this happened in June across the country, you know, I immediately uh, mobilized the National Guard. I had my special ops from Florida Highway Patrol, and we were there, and we were able to keep a lid on it in the state of Florida. And I think we also had a lot of local officials that took a hard line. So it's very important that we do that, and we'll continue to do it. At the same time, uh, we seem to see this all over the country incessantly, and I don't want to just have to play whack-a-mole, you know, going into the future. So I thought that there was need to do. So we're doing a few things. One is any locality that defunds law enforcement. Uh, we're going to defund them from the state perspective. We're not going to subsidize insane policies. The other thing we're going to do is if a local government abdicates its duty to protect businesses or individuals and lets mob, let mobs uh, run rampant, uh, we're waiving sovereign immunity. You can sue the local government uh, for damages. We're also increasing penalties uh, for violent or disorderly assemblies, including uh, mandatory jail terms if you do something like strike a police officer in the, in the commission of that. We create a felony offense to commandeer roadways. Now, we, we prevented that because I had my highway patrol out there, but you look around where they take over roads and harass motorists. Uh, we're not going to put up with that at all. We also use RICO uh, to try to get at some of the organization and the funding uh, of these protests, and we revoke bail for people who are arrested for any of these offenses until their first appearance, and then beyond that, the, rebut, the presumption, it's rebuttable, but the presumption's against bail entirely. I think what happens, Mark, is like in Portland, you got these people, these vagabonds, they'll go out, they'll get arrested, they get their mugshot taken, then they get put right back into circulation. It's like on and on it goes. I think if you say, you know what, you throw a brick at a cop or you throw a brick through a store window, you're going to jail. And once you do that, I guarantee you they're going to look to riot in other places. And so far, so good, you said, right, in your state? So far, I mean, you know, we had uh, the first night that this started, there was some damage in Tampa. That's why we, we immediately called up the National Guard and were able to, um, you, know, you know, to really avert some of the disasters that you've seen. But I think this will be very powerful. I think it will send a good message, and it will work. I mean, the first person 
that does something like this and ends up in the jail, uh, people are not going to want to mess with that if they know there's going to be serious consequences. And I also think defunding the police at the local level, they're not going to move to do that. And most of our municipalities have been good, but but they're not going to do this in the future uh, if they know that we're going to be able to withhold state money for them. But I think it's appropriate, Mark, because why should we let them cut off their nose to spite their face and put their citizens uh, at risk? We see what happens when you defund law enforcement. Crime goes up. Murders go up. It's a disaster. And so we're just not going to sit idly by and let that happen here in Florida. Do you see this election, as so many of us do, as really a a choice in so many areas, but in this specific area between law and order and appeasement? I'm watching Louisville, Kentucky now. The attorney general explained what took place with the grand jury. You have two police officers uh, who were shot at by an individual in an apartment. They were trying to serve, uh, execute a warrant. One of the police officers was actually wounded. Uh, They fired back. Unfortunately, his girlfriend was killed, uh, Breonna Taylor, but it was the boyfriend who shot first. And these police officers, it's self-defense. And then another police officer fires. He doesn't hit anybody. Uh, Some of the bullets go through the wall into the apartment next door. He's charged with uh, wanton endangerment, I guess what Florida and other states would call, you know, reckless use of a weapon, but whatever. And I keep hearing on the news, why wasn't anybody charged with homicide? How could you charge anybody with homicide under these conditions? Well, one of the reasons why we wanted to do what what, what the bill I did is to show law enforcement we're standing with them. Look, we have a lot of people in law enforcement, just like when I was in the Navy, a lot of people in Navy. We did have some people that would do some things wrong. You hold them accountable. What that media is doing is they're smearing all law enforcement, and they're not telling the full story. I mean, for example, the guy in Kenosha – he had a warrant because he had sexually assaulted this woman, stole her car, broke into her house. Every cop in America would want to go apprehend that person. She called for help. So they're going to help a victim of a crime. And you never hear that in the media. You, the media makes it seem like these cops were just out seeking like vigilante justice. They were just going after people that look different for them or something. And that's just not factually true. So I think the media really tries to add fuel to the fires uh, that's going on. Um, and I think it's very irresponsible. But here's the problem I think that Biden and the Democrats have is, you know, they were basically cheering this on in June and into July. They were raising money to bail out the rioters in Minnesota. They were doing all these things. And then now all of a sudden they see the poll numbers have, have gone south uh, and that the American public doesn't want it, which they should have known that from the beginning. So now Biden's running ads in Florida saying, I oppose rioting. I oppose all this stuff. Um, the left is out of control in this country. And um, you see it in, in what's happening in the streets. You see it in what they're saying. Uh, they're going to abolish the Electoral College and make D.C. a state, pack the Supreme Court. All these insane ideas is really the mainstream amongst their activist base. And so I think the election's important because Biden is just, he, it's going to be like, um, you know, weekend at Biden's in terms of his presidency. It's a weekend at Bernie's presidency. He'll be a figurehead if he were to get in, but the the radical left will be running the show. And they've gotten so much more radical, Mark, just in the last uh, four years. I mean, man, they make Obama look more conservative because they've gotten so far. They've gotten so radical. So I think the stakes are really, really high and probably higher than some of the important elections we've had in the past just because of how stark the contrast is. 
Governor Ron DeSantis, speaking of the election, how does Florida look right now? Well, as ABC even came out, the poll had the president up four fifty-one forty-seven. I think that he's doing much better with the uh, Cuban Americans and other Hispanics in Miami-Dade. He did not do well in 2016. He's doing much better there. Uh, so as long as he holds his support that he had in 16, uh, I think he's going to be in good shape. You know, it's always it's always tight here. We always have new voters coming in. It's always in flux. But you know, we've been able to narrow the registration advantage that the Democrats have had. When the president was reelected, I think the registration advantage was 600,000 for the Democrats. Now it's under 250,000. Um, and we've worked really hard to register more Republicans. And then obviously, Mark, you've got a lot of Republicans who flee uh, high-tax areas to come down uh, to Florida, and we're happy to have them register as Republicans and, and help it. So I, I think he's going to win Florida, um, and you know we're going to have a winner declared You know uh, that night. We're not going to... So what's going on in the Midwest, where you can just have ballots come in for a week, is insane. In Florida, you vote uh, earlier on Election Day, or your mail-in ballot comes by Election Day, and then it's counted, and then a winner is declared. Although the courts in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, uh, I'm tracking this now, it's unbelievable. In North Carolina, in the battleground states, have said, uh, too bad, we're extending it. And I suspect they're going to try the same thing, the Democrats, in your state. They've tried and they failed. One, I, I have appointed five conservative justices to the Supreme Court. When I came into office in 2019, we had the most liberal Supreme Court in the state. Uh, we now probably have the most conservative. Uh, and so that will be dead on arrival in Florida courts. They have tried to go to federal court. They have not been successful. Um, and I'm confident that if they do find some district judge to do something, we would get it reversed in the 11th Circuit. So I don't think you're going to see that um, in Florida. I think part of it, you know, Pennsylvania's got a radical left Supreme Court. Oh, yes. They rewrite the law all the time. We don't, our, our court's really good in Florida. So I feel confident that the rules that the legislature enacted are going to be abided by and that we'll get, a, we'll get a, a valid and honorable vote. What I'm trying to advise these Republican legislatures, and you know what, there's a lot of them in these battleground states. Pennsylvania's Republican legislature. I've got my list here somewhere, but it doesn't matter. Uh, but but uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin's a Republican legislature. North Carolina's a Republican legislature. Right, here's my list: Florida, Pennsylvania, Arizona, North Carolina, Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan. If it gets into Ohio, Iowa, all Republican legislatures. Now, you probably know this under Article Two of the Constitution. It's the legislature that determines how electors are picked. Courts can't come in at the last minute and start changing the statutes and lengthening this. As a matter of fact. In 2000, Bush versus Gore, the Republican legislature was just about to overturn what the Supreme Court down there was doing to the state until the federal Supreme Court stepped in. But the bottom line, the last word is in the legislature. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and that's how the, the electors are apportioned through that process. And the courts, uh, 2000 in Florida is exactly the, a court run amok. That's exactly what you don't do. All they were doing is trying to engineer a Gore victory. The problem with allowing the ballots to come in is even if every ballot that's counted is totally legit, and even if everyone voted prior to Election Day, 
it just it does it smells funny, and then obviously it does create a lot of opportunities uh, for fraud. So it's a total disaster. We've never gone down that road in Florida. We're not. We don't have you know sending out ballots to everyone. We have a lot of people that vote absentee, but you request the ballot and then it gets sent out to you, and then you send it back in. There's no mass mailing of ballots where they're sending ballots out in some of these states to people that have been dead for 20 years. They're sending out ballots to people that haven't lived in the state for 20 years. And so uh, you're, we're not doing that here. It's an absentee request vote, and it is safe and secure. So any Floridians that want to do that, you are absolutely um, should do it by mail if that's what you want to do. Uh, but it's fundamentally different than what, what these people are trying to do in these other states. And I told, I told the president the other day, I was like, you know, you know if you're, you're up uh, 200,000 votes in Pennsylvania, what, do we have to wait a week mm-hmm. for all these ballots to start trickling in? I mean, it's insane. By the way, uh, Governor DeSantis of Florida, it appears that the mayor of Louisville and the governor of Kentucky are not conducting themselves as Portland, Oregon, or Seattle, Washington. The police are out in full riot gear and full force. Apparently they've stormed an area of, uh, of Louisville. The National Guard is sort in the background. They have been called in. Uh, so we'll see how this plays out. But you know what's troubling to me, Governor? Where are the Democrats denouncing this tonight? These are their voters in many cases. Where are the Democrats? You know, Joe Biden comes out and he says, I'm against violence. He comes out late. He comes out when he thinks it's propitious politically. But like tonight, what does he say? He says nothing. I agree. I mean, I think that they, and, and, and obviously they were fueling what was going on in Minnesota by, I mean, as all these businesses are being burnt down, you have Democrat politicians raising money for the people that had been arrested. And you're just thinking, like, this is insane. The media, obviously, at that time, was really elevating uh, what was going on there. They were viewing this as kind of righteous. Um, Now the public's turned on it, and so they try to deal with it differently. But the fact is, uh, you rewind that tape uh, with all that, the Dems were right there for all that, even as the stuff was on fire. And the media... You know, they've tried to gaslight the public on some of this. You see some of these CNN reporters in front of burning buildings saying everything's peaceful. Um, and I think the public has caught up to that. So I think the Dems, there, there's a reason Biden's running those ads saying I oppose rioting, because they know that the public is associating uh, their party as being, um, as being supportive or at least not willing to really do what needed to be done to keep the people safe. And I think that that's going to have an effect on the election. I mean, I think Wisconsin's vote, uh, I think Trump's going to do better in Wisconsin as a result of of what happened in Kenosha. I don't think there's any question about it. Well, Governor DeSantis, first of all, I want to thank you for being governor in my second state, which may soon be my first state, Florida. It's the best-run state in the whole damn country, I can tell you that. And, uh, and we very much appreciate you coming on the program and for all your common sense. Thank you. Absolutely, Mark. And let's, uh, let's get a Supreme Court justice before the election. We remember them smearing Bork and Thomas and Kavanaugh, and the Dems are going to squeal. But uh, this is their comeuppance. Amen to that. All right, Governor. God bless and best to your family. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. He's become a good friend of our family uh, from the days when he was a congressman. Just so decent, so much common sense, solid as a rock. The governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. I'll be right back.
AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. The media, the New York Times, the Washington Post has helped stoke riots with their lies about American history and cops. Joy Reid on MSNBC, others, MSNBC, Wallace, what's her name, Nancy Wallace, whatever her name is, Nicole Wallace, you look at CNN, same thing. You have the media in this country, ladies and gentlemen, who are pushing for riots and violence. You have the Democrat Party doing exactly the same thing. You haven't heard a single leading Democrat condemn what's going on today. They'll wait till the smoke clears and the fires are out, and then they'll try and get you to believe that they oppose it. Innocent people are going to see their homes attacked, their businesses burned. They're going to get attacked. Police are going to get attacked. Justice. They don't believe in justice. This is mob rule. You're seeing it. Mob rule. And one of the people who believes in this is Kamala Harris. She said she supports the Black Lives Matter movement, a Marxist, anti-American movement. It just is. She supports slamming the cops, significantly reducing their budgets. She reports bail for rioters. She even contributed to it. And here she is in Detroit yesterday. Cut 18, go. When we talk about, the other brother was asking about criminal justice. Let's talk about... America's failure when it comes to understanding how you create safe communities. And by that I mean this. It is outdated, it is wrong-headed thinking to think that the only way you're going to get communities to be safe is to put more police officers on the street. What we have to do, and what we will do, is reimagine... Okay, this word reimagine. Reimagine is... Cloward and Pivens, who were communists. They use that word a lot, and now you hear it coming out of the mouth of people like Kamala Harris. Go ahead. Safety. In a way that you understand, you want a safe community, you have to invest in the health and well-being of that community. What am I talking about? You can go to any upper-middle-class suburb in America, and you will not see the kind of police presence you see in other neighborhoods. And why is that? I'm telling you, she's a race baiter. She's a demagogue. The reason there's a bigger police presence in the inner cities is because that's where there's more crime. It's that simple. And the vast majority of people who live in these areas do not want the police to leave. 
Survey after survey has shown that. Kamala Harris doesn't live in these communities. She never has, despite what she has said about her past. Really shocking. So what we need is more money for health, more money for public schools, and on and on and on. The same BS they give us all the time. Now what you need is a safe community, good schools, that would include school choice, serious capitalism so people can can work their way out of these these areas i'll be right back amac the association of mature american citizens is one of the fastest growing organizations in america now over two million conservative members strong and i'm one of them amac believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about more than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin, the conscience of conservatism. Call Mark now at 877-381-3811. One of the most important members of the House of Representatives is Chip Roy. I know Chip Roy personally. I've known him for many years. He was uh, chief of staff to Ted Cruz. Uh, Just solid as a rock. But he's not just a vote. He's a leader. And that's where the uh, rubber hits the road. Chip Roy, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Mark. Thanks for having me on. You and your wonderful family are doing well. Thank you. Yes, and I hope yours as well. Now, Chip Roy, uh, you see this uh, this election, how it's breaking out here. Have you ever seen a more radical agenda uh, by a party, uh, and not just at the national level, but the candidate you're running against? No, you're exactly right. I'm running against Wendy Davis, who is fairly infamous for having filibustered on the floor of the Texas State Senate for not just abortion, but for third trimester abortion. That is abortion right up until birth. She would fit right in with the radical Nancy Pelosi agenda, agenda, an agenda that I'm calling out, and I just called out on the floor of the House of Representatives, as you well know, because they refuse to stand with our law enforcement. They refuse to stand with cops. I actually was on the floor of the House last week talking about the 43 law enforcement officers who have been murdered in the line of duty. And my Democratic colleagues refused to come to the floor and celebrate their lives or defend cops or law enforcement. Uh, it is a radical agenda, ban fracking, uh, abortion on demand, not securing the border. Wendy Davis, my opponent, when she was in the Texas State Senate, she voted against banning sanctuary cities. Uh, she wants to take your guns away. This is a radical agenda. And Kamala Harris, you know, it's the Harris administration, right, Mark? Uh, the the Harris-Biden administration. Uh, Kamala Harris has been outward uh, in speaking out and saying she would ban fracking. Uh, and Joe Biden is just bobbling along right alongside of her. How does it look in your race down there? 
Well, you know, we feel good because we are definitively outworking the other side. Uh, I've driven 6,000 miles across the district in the last 40 days. Uh, and we're not gonna Well, the public day. needs to know you have a huge district geographically. I do. It's 10 counties, and, and you know, we're going to win the vast majority of it. Uh, but Austin, Texas is a growing percentage of the district, and it's very liberal. My old boss, Governor Perry, refers to it as the blueberry and the tomato soup. Uh, and, and my opponent is running vicious attack ads. The DCCC, the Pelosi PAC, they're running millions of dollars to attack me because they don't like me, because I call BS on what they do. And they're trying to take me down, and they're running vicious attack ads saying that I don't stand with our veterans. I serve on the Veterans Affairs Committee. I've been passing legislation, working to pass legislation uh, to protect their Second Amendment rights, to recognize Vietnam veterans. But she's coming after me saying that I don't stand with them because, Mark, you know why? Because I didn't play the game in Washington, and I voted against a bill that had tax increases in it but happened to have a provision in there for Gold Star families. I co-sponsored the bill for Gold Star families. But she's a liar who's running ads along with the DCCC trying to attack me and make up stuff that isn't true. Isn't this what they do? In other words, they don't want to run against you. They want to run, run against a caricature of you. They do the same thing with Trump. They do the same thing all the time. That is, they want to run against somebody who has not been nominated on the Republican side, and they try and project that onto the candidate. So they run these lies. No, this, this is their playbook, right? It is, the, it is a character assassination. It's to make stuff up because for them, power is everything. For us, freedom is everything. Letting Texas be Texas. Standing up for America. They want power so they can tell the American people what to do. Take their guns away. Limit their ability to have freedom. Limit their ability to have power that powers up their lives. Tell them what their health care has to look like. All of that is what they want to do. You and I, we want to fight for freedom. We want our kids and our grandkids to experience the American dream. I didn't come to D.C. to play the game. I came here to fight it. I came here to change this town. They know it, and they don't like it, so they're, they're going to lie, just like they did, by the way, about Kavanaugh, just like they will do on the next nominee when, when President Trump rightfully picks a, a justice to replace Justice Ginsburg sometime in the next week, just like they did when they targeted Miguel Estrada. Why? Because he's Hispanic. Who was up for a circuit position, and they didn't want him up there because they were afraid he would then move up to the Supreme Court. That's right. That's exactly right. And that's what they do. And they do it, and they've done it from the time of Bork and Thomas and Alito. Talk to Sam Alito's wonderful wife, Martha Ann, about the attacks they levied against him. I was there on the Senate Judiciary Committee. I've seen it. I've seen their sleeves in action. And they hurt a good man, Miguel Estrada, simply because we know this to be true. He's Hispanic. They couldn't abide there being a conservative Hispanic on the court. So they targeted him to take him down. They wanted to do it to Kavanaugh, and they failed. They want to do it to Amy Barrett, if she's the nominee, or one of the other nominees. That's what they want to do. This president will nominate a good judge, a good justice, and uh, we're going to all stand up and make sure that we push that person across the line. Now, Chip Roy, you're running in the 21st Congressional District in Texas. Uh, if people want to support you, send you money from anywhere in the country or support you at the polls and door-to-door and other volunteer activities in your district, where do they go? Well, they go to chiproy.com, C-H-I-P-R-O-Y.com, and I would greatly appreciate the support. Your listeners are so uh, you know, devoted to this country. They, like me, like you, want to stand up for America. Act Blue has raised $100 million for Democrats, including probably hundreds of thousands, if not a million, for my opponent, Wendy Davis, literally since Justice Ginsburg died. They're so uh, focused on the court. 
That's what they want. And so they've got money pouring in. And so every dollar that your listeners give me helps. I mean, if, if 10,000 listeners give me 100 bucks, that's a million dollars. And that's a million dollars that I can run ads to defeat Wendy Davis, come back to Congress, hold this place accountable, fight for the very freedoms that you and I are standing up for. And all those great things that you write in your books, that you stand up on this show every night fighting for this country, that's what I'm doing on the floor of the House of Representatives. And they don't want me to. They want to stop it. They don't like the Freedom Caucus. They don't like those of us who stand up for America. Now, here's the thing, America. If We're going to be watching very closely on election night a number of races, obviously the presidential race and some Senate races, but we're going to be carefully looking at House races. And if Chip Roy loses, that tells me we're going to have a disastrous night. So if you can help Chip, go to chiproy.com, chiproy.com. It's a marginal district. Um, they're outspending him. Uh, all the national left-wing efforts are pouring fortune into this race. Chip has a good shot at re- re- you know, keeping a seat. Uh, we need his voice in the House. There are certain voices that we like. This one we need. It's chiproy.com. Anybody who lives in the district or close to the district and can help him on Election Day, I hope you will. Uh, but I'm hoping that all of you out there who are in a position to do so will contribute and support Chip Roy for Congress. Now, Chip, I have a couple other questions for you, too. Sure. Look at foreign policy. Did you ever think that we'd have a situation here now where peace is breaking out in the Middle East due to Donald Trump's policies and then Joe Biden and his party want to refund the Iranian regime? They want to go back to refunding the Palestinian Authority and others who, who targeted Americans and Jews and Israels to kill us. I mean, if you go back to that, you're going to undo all the peace that's breaking out of the Middle East, are you not? No, this is 100% correct. And look, we have no greater ally in the world than Israel, and particularly their geopolitical position right there in the Middle East, standing alongside of us as a democracy in the Middle East. And the president was right to recognize Jerusalem as the capital, to move the embassy there. And guess what? Through our leadership, other countries followed. While all of the Democrats said, oh, that'll never happen, that'll cause chaos. When the president took out Soleimani, they said, oh, no, now it's going to be war. We know what we get when we get the Biden uh, agenda that we saw in the Obama-Biden administration, where they dump cash on the runway for an Iranian regime who murders its citizens, who targets Israel. They're our enemy, and they want to side with Iran. This president wants to side with Israel, and we've got now the fruits of that, UAE, Bahrain, and we're seeing the fruits of that in other countries that are interested, even Saudi Arabia. They're now talking to Israel in ways that are never would have been imagined a few years ago. Why? Because we're leading again. Democrats want to take us backward. The president wants to take us forward, standing right alongside Israel, as we should be. You know, the Democrat Party, and that's going to include your, your, your opponent, God forbid, if she wins, they want open borders. They want free health care for illegal aliens. Uh, in addition to that, when it comes to China... Uh, the, it's clear that the Xi communist genocidal regime is cheering for Joe Biden and certainly his son. We're going to have a disaster on our border. We're going to have a disaster dealing with China, aren't we? Absolutely. And you know, these are obviously two of the major issues. In addition to keeping our streets safe and staying alongside law enforcement, getting jobs back, we got to hold the line against China. This president is willing to do that. He's been doing it since he got into office. This president is willing to secure the border of the United States. While Nancy Pelosi and AOC and all these liberal Democrats that Wendy Davis would be right alongside wants to say kids in cages, wants to say they're drinking out of toilets, says abolish ICE, says defund Border Patrol. I'm going to stand with Border Patrol. They're backing me. They're endorsing me. Why? Because I've spent 
hours, days, going down to the border, seeing what's really happening. The 900,000 people we apprehended last year in 2019, while dangerous cartels are empowered, who abuse immigrants on the journey, abuse little girls, because we empower the cartels. We're the greatest country in the history of the world, and Democrats want to let cartels run our border. That is absolutely an abomination, and it's embarrassing that the Democratic House of Representatives doesn't care about securing our border and doesn't care about immigrants in the process. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, if you want to support Chip Roy, it's chiproy.com, chiproy.com. I hope you will. If you can, I hope you will. And people want to support his effort uh, and volunteer. It's a huge district. Uh, that would be a good idea, too. Any final words, Chip? Mark, I'll only say this. Thank you for what you do every day for this country. Thank you for being a voice for liberty and reason and freedom. Uh, We're going to win this because we believe in our country. We're going to stand up for America, and you do it every night, and I'm just honored to be on the show and and appreciate your friendship. All right, and likewise, and God bless and uh, and Godspeed, my friend. God bless. You know, that young man had a very, very uh, bad bout of cancer. And he's a, a man of faith, and he and his family prayed, and they fought it with every, with every muscle in his body, and he overcame it. And then he decided he, he was saved for a reason. And the reason is to help save the country. That's Chip Roy, chiproy.com. He is, really, when I tell you he's exceptional, he's exceptional. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin'. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. local station, WDRB, is now reporting in Louisville, Kentucky. A Louisville Metro police officer has been shot in downtown Louisville amid protests in response to the Breonna Taylor decision. Metro Safe confirmed to WDRB News that an officer had been shot at Brook and Broadway sometime before 8.30 p.m. on Wednesday. The news also confirmed by LMPD spokesperson Lamont Washington in an email statement. No other information was immediately available. Possible injuries to the officer unknown at this time. I don't know how much longer Americans are going to put up with this S. I just don't know how much longer. These police are there for us. They're there to protect us. And you see... How BLM is celebrated, Antifa is celebrated. You see the lies that are told about police officers and police incidents. 
I pray to God Donald Trump is reelected. And I pray to God that he uses the Insurrection Act and puts this down. Because our country is being destroyed, street by street, neighborhood by neighborhood, city by city, state by state. And I'm sure I speak for the vast majority of Americans, regardless of race, religion, background, that we are sick and tired of this. Sick and tired of it, period. And this police officer was shot in the middle of the riots. And they act like a cop's life doesn't matter. The interesting to hear what they say on ESPN tomorrow. I don't watch, but people email me. Let's hear what Kellerman has to say. Let's hear what the retired athletes have to say. And the sportscasters have to say. And LeBron James, who denies that he is encouraging violence against police. Well, he must not be listening to his own rhetoric. You don't have to call out the police directly for violence. Or how about Joe Scarborough and his team calling the president over and over again, Hitler, 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 Hitler. The people out there. We already had a, an assassination attempt on the president of the United States with that ricin scare. But they don't care on MSNBC and NBC, and they don't care on CNN. It's all a game. They think they're self-righteous. I'm just so angry right now, i got to watch what I say. I have to watch what I say. Let me hit a few other things that I had here. The governor of California, he's not happy with destroying his state with these wildfires. He prays to the idol of climate change. So he doesn't manage the forests and the timberlands. What a disaster. Blackouts and brownouts. Water shortages. On a state that has the, the, the greatest economy or did of any of our states. They're destroying it. And now he's signing an executive order like he's some kind of fa- a dictator, fascist, banning the sale of all gas-powered cars in the state by 2035. This is what's going to happen nationwide. This is what's going to happen nationwide if you vote for these fools. They are on a tear, and they are on a tear to destroy this country. Gavin Newsom has no idea how a car works. He has no idea how a combustion engine works. He has no idea how we get oil and gasoline. He has no idea about any of it. But they don't care. In New Jersey... A reform synagogue, this is why I left the so-called reform movement, it's a joke. God had to make way for Ginsburg, so here they are in Rosh Hashanah, one of the high holidays. And they put aside the Haftorah, or biblical readings. They put it aside, and what do they read? They not only read, they chant. From Ruth Bader Ginsburg opinions. The insanity. And then of course the Washington Compost... If Trump appoints a third justice, the Supreme Court will be the most conservative it's been since 1950. Who the hell do they think they're kidding? John Roberts has has jumped ship. And the word's not conservative, you idiots. What we want is a constitutional court, and that's a good thing. All right. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I'll see you right here tomorrow, America. Team America. That's who we are. God bless each and every one of you. Take care. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.